<laughs> All right. Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to another special episode of Learning Tech Talks, where we are again taking a little bit of a break from learning technology and focusing on what I believe really it takes to make technology a success. And we're going to talk about what it takes so that you can navigate this and navigate really the current situation that's going on right now. So today I am joined by Bob Coolhan and Josh Pryor from Business Improv, and we're digging into the underlying human capabilities we really need to develop to succeed in this new world. And uh, for those of you who are joining us live, let us know where you're at. Um, I'm joining from, from Milwaukee. We've got Josh in California, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Yep, and, right. and Bob yep. is in Boston, yes? New York. New well, York. Okay. Wow, you're, you're okay. For some reason, I thought Boston. It's probably because he's been to Boston. Yeah, yeah he's been there Boston, uh, two weeks ago. So two weeks. Yeah. All right. Well, so so if you're joining us live, let us know where you're tuning in from. Give us a like. Tag in someone who will benefit from this conversation. But before we get into it, before we start talking about improv, uh, the question that we've been preparing, and I, I can't wait to hear these answers, are: What is one of the most embarrassing work situations that, that you've been in and, and how did you handle it? So who wants to go first? I will. I'll okay, go first. Gosh, let's hear it. Uh, all right. So for context, I'm, I was 22 years old. This was my first job out of college okay. uh, at UCLA Anderson in their executive education department. I'm calling HR professionals to try to sell them training programs. And I'm like literally dialing for dollars. And we were in a, a mad dash one night making phone calls. And I finally got a hold of a like a training and development global head at a big pharmaceutical company okay. and totally caught me off guard that she answered the phone. <laughs> and I asked her if I could put her on hold when she picked up because I was completely unprepared to actually talk to her because everyone was, you know, going to voicemail. And I ended up getting one of my colleagues to pick up the phone and talk to her. So effectively, I just ended up being his gatekeeper on the reverse side. We didn't, uh, we didn't make that sale. So okay. Uh, so yeah. did, I was going to ask, did they, did they, did they sign up? They did not. No. Okay. No. Okay. This is also during the financial crisis of two thousand and eight. So okay, that could have been it. That was it, not me. I'm sure. <laughs> they were like, I think we're going to invest our money somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your time. Okay. All right. All right, Bob. Let's hear it. What do you got? Okay, Chicago Improv. <clears throat> That's where I cut my teeth. I'm doing a uh, workshop for little kids. This is like fourth and fifth graders. It's storytelling, using the tenets of improvisation to tell stories and write stories. And I'm leading this from the front of the class. So there's like 20, 25 kids. And I'm like, okay, so what, what, what do we have? Who's the main character? And they say an elephant. I'm like, oh, fantastic, an elephant. And the elephant's walking, they're walking through, through. Where's the elephant walking? A jungle. Fantastic. The elephant's walking through a jungle. And as the elephant's walking, uh, he sees uh, a trunk. And what's inside the trunk? And they go, peanuts. And I say, yes, penis. <laughs> penis. <laughs> penis. <laughs> Trying to correct myself, yet I can't do it. Three times, and I look over at the teacher, and she's like, <laughs> "Peanuts." Let's move on. <laughs> I also done something similar in corporate uh, workshop recently, where they're like, "Does this actually lead to success?" Oh, yes. Using these tenets leads to great sex. Great sex. You great. Do it. Wow. So I actually uh. hit it. And then I try to correct myself by repeating the same thing. And then I pivot by repeating the same thing. So it didn't work. Okay. Yeah. 
That's uh, everybody. That's uncomfortable. And yeah, two situations too. Two of them. All right. Well, I got brought back from both jobs. That's true. Well, that's good. That's good. So mine was. Uh, it was. It was first. It was first out of first job out of teaching. Right. So I was done teaching. I'd gone into corporate, um, natural job. I'd moved from teaching into sales and marketing for Camel cigarettes. And uh, so I was hanging up signs in these gas stations because I was doing the marketing thing. And um, and so I'm doing this thing and I'm up on the counter and I'm hanging this thing and I go to step back to step down on a ladder to get down and it's not there. And fortunately, I didn't completely fall, but I stretched my legs so far that I ripped my pants from the seam from the back of my leg all the way up to the back. Now that necessarily wouldn't be the worst, except this was right around lunchtime, prime time at the gas station and the <laughs> gas station was packed. And it also happened to be a day for some odd reason, I'd chosen to go commando. And it was just a horribly embarrassing situation. I didn't know what to do other than just take all the signs that I brought in, kind of hold them around me and back back out of the gas station, pack up the car and just disappear. It was, it was not a moment I was, was terribly proud of. So uh, originally, were you like hanging on with your, 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 your midriff exposed, your bottom half exposed? And you're like, oh, that's a pinata full of what? No, it's just like, I know I just stepped down and you just heard. And then I went back off the counter and was kind of like laying on the floor, like what just happened. And it, it was, it wasn't fun. It wasn't fun to say the least. I can laugh at it now at the time. I was I was far from laughing. So oh, guys, look how far we've come. Look how far, yeah. Look how far we've we did it. And here we are live streaming today. So all right. So the one thing, you know, we're gonna talk about improv and really, you know, how this relates to a lot of different things. And I think one of the things that we talked about going into this was we didn't want this to be another COVID-19 discussion. And while that's a it's a current situation. Um, I definitely think it's something that we want to address, but it's really more the implications of what that's exposing and, and talking about how that relates to, you know, what improvisation can really do. And so, you know, I think it's fair. I don't think anybody who would be watching or tuning in, you know, would say business operations as usual are, are running amok a little bit, you know, I mean, a little bit, a lot bit right now. Um, and people are shifting into this, socially distance remote world you know how are how what are what are you seeing right now in, in your side i'm seeing it on my end but what are you seeing in, in your client interactions and just in the world around you we are shifting into the remote world by necessity and <clears throat> there's a lot of people who are uh, you know the idea of the the virtual team and virtual communication has been around forever and it's always been kind of taken in stride and now we are seeing over and over again that there is a lot of unknown and ambiguity and there's a lot of people grappling with it and yeah you know from our side um it's it's a, we've always worked virtually in business improv as I mentioned before i'm in the new york area josh in la we have colleagues in chicago colleagues uh spread throughout california spread in new york um uh so we are sort of not sort of reverse in this. This is the way yeah. that we've been behaving for a long time. There's a lot of people who, though, I think are intimidated. Yeah. yeah. For our, like the, the conversations that we're having with clients right now, uh, it seems like we're still in that brand new mass confusion space where we don't really, they don't really know what to do or where to go. Yeah. So the 
as you probably can imagine, you know, a lot of our work is live training and like a lot of other industries that focus on in person, those are all postponing. And that's and that's natural. That should happen. We'd be postponing them if they weren't. So yeah, you know, that, that's what's happening. And the, the conversations that go along with it when we start talking about other options and you know other ways to be able to work together, there's still a lot of we're in the mad scramble right now. We're in that mad dash. So you know, it's it's almost the the chicken with the head cut off for yeah. pretty much everybody. Well, and I think that right, that's what I'm seeing not not only on on my side, but in the social communities I'm in in this network. People are just trying to figure out how do we operate. We're being faced with things that we just have taken for granted for a very long time. Which, to me, when we were talking and and as we've gotten to know each other over the years, to me, it made a perfect sense why we'd be having this conversation. But I think for a lot of folks, you know, they may be going, okay, get it right what's happening with coronavirus things are very disruptive the way of life is being challenged what does that have to do with with improv you know because i think there's probably some perceptions out there of well what is improv and and i think you know probably a lot of people maybe have this kind of initial reaction of oh whose line is it anyway or you know stand up comedy or maybe in the corporate space some people might have a little more experience but I mean, I can say from over the years where many times I've seen it used is it's a, hey, we're having a team building event or there's something going on and we need something that really kind of brings things together. You know, let's bring in some improv. Uh, I see it more than that, but I'm curious your take. Like, how do you how do you overcome that or what do you say to that? Well, I, <clears throat> so we have been a consultancy for 20 years. We're in our yeah. 20 first year of running this business. And so asking that question 20 years ago would have resulted in different answers than it is today. There are more people who are more informed now because improv is much more prevalent than it used to be. We look at it though as context and situation. So those who are saying whose line is it anyway or any great comedy house around the country are saying, well, that's where improvisation lives. However, when you expand that away to other teams that do it, like special forces, do they improvise? Elite chefs, cooking shows, do they improvise? Um, parents, do they improvise? EMT, firefighters, responders, <laughs> sports teams. You know, so we all do this. So we, the way that we define improv and business improv, there are in three core competencies, which is reacting, adapting, and communicating. <clears throat> reacting being ongoing and present and in the moment at a very high level, being engaged. Adapting is if you're reacting within parameters or trying to achieve an outcome, like in a strategy meeting, a sales call, uh, what's happening in the current environment, moving from an uh, intact team to a virtual team. We're reacting and adapting. And the third subroot of this really is communicating. As we're not in space, we're not in a vacuum, we're not disconnected from each other. We are always in the place or almost always in the place that we can't communicate with each other. So when you look at reacting and adapting and communicating as the root of, of business improv, the real question is who doesn't do this and who doesn't need to get better at doing this now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, you bring that up. And one of the things that I think is interesting, and this is where that deconstructing of what improv is, I think for people listening, that's extremely helpful because you hear improv and it probably means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But when you break it down into the behavioral components of reacting, adapting, communicating, those are all things that resonate. And I can tell you, you know, you, you read the research on what are some of the core skills that we in L&D really need to focus on or as companies are adapting in this new world. 
like learning agility is one of the highest on the list in terms of how do you be faced with situations, figure it out, adapt, and then actually be able to communicate that. So to me, that was where it was such a natural fit to say, right. hey, this is bigger than just this side thing. Josh, what were it's, you going to say? Oh, no, it's, it's interesting because I, I get to have a lot of conversations with new and legacy clients. And it started probably about three years ago where I personally don't really like the term soft skills. Okay. I feel like it's dismissive of, of the skill. And it, I won't go into that very much. The interesting thing, though, is that for the longest time, when we would work with like a university, we do a lot of programs for MBA students or in executive education. And the skill set was looked at more of a soft skill to round out technical know-how. Yep. You know, you got to learn how to be an accountant. You got to learn how to be an engineer. You got to learn X, Y, Z. And then at some point, you'll have to talk to another human being. So we'll give you some soft skills. And like three years ago, there was this massive shift that our university clients stopped calling them soft skills and start calling it business communication. Okay. And they started realizing that when their alumni were going out there, people weren't getting past a certain level if they weren't able to have solid communication skills, if they weren't able to, you know, be adaptable or, or be nimble, in, as Bob was talking about. And it's, it kind of shifted the conversation to something that we've been saying for a long time, which is this is not just frivolous. You know, we don't want to entertain you for four hours or we don't want to, <laughs> you know, teach you how to be ready for your SNL audition coming up this weekend. It's taking those skills and infusing them into your core needs, you know, from an intelligence standpoint. Yeah. And that, that, like I said, that really changed the conversation when they started realizing, okay, our, this is what our alumni associations are telling us about our graduates is they don't know how to talk to people. They don't know how to lead. They don't know how to manage. They can't do anything in a crisis. Yeah. Well, and what's funny, well, not funny, but what's interesting about that yeah. is, you know, whether you call them soft skills, I, I, I look at them on more the human skills, right? I, yeah. That's kind of, I guess, the term I would, I would use is these human skills, these things that are unique to us as humans, which continue to grow as technology continues to advance, because that is our unique differentiator, right? As people, yeah. that is our competitive edge are these human skills. And, and the better we are at that as a workforce, the more we can compete. So, so one thing I want to, I want to dig into a little bit more, because one of the things we're going to talk about is some of the ways you're helping organizations bring this to life and some of the ways you've adapted over the years to do this. But before we get into some of those things, you know, I'd love to hear, cause you're not the only improv group out there, right? You're not the only group that's doing improv in the corporate setting, but I do think over the conversations that we've had together, you you're unique in the space, at least in my experience. But I want to hear from you. You know, how do you differentiate yourself versus? And I won't name names, but other improv shops that are saying, "Hey, we can come do improv and teach you improv in your corporate setting." So uh, I'm, I'm a Chicago-trained improviser. That's where I cut my teeth. I've been performing improv for 26 years. As Josh mentioned, though, the courses that we teach are not going to get you to Saturday Night Live. They're not going to get you to any big stages. This is called business improv, and that's what we've been focusing on. I'm an adjunct professor at Duke Fuqua School of Business as well as Columbia Business School. The way we link improvisation to business is through behavioral psychology and cognitive psychology and social psychology and behavioral economics and org theory. At our root, in business improv, we are a behavior change company and a culture change company. So we focus on 
helping people help themselves. And when you start combining these elite things, elite business schools, elite performance experience, we go into elite organizations and work with elite people and we teach them how to teach other people how to do this. We focus on putting ourselves out of jobs. We teach, we call it teaching you how to ride a bicycle. And meaning what's the best way to learn how to ride a bicycle? get on it's do it and once you know how to ride a bike you know how to ride a bike and you can teach yeah. that to other people as well so we really focus on bringing the the business to the skill set of improvisation so we are a business that uses improvisation as its vehicle to communicate with each other we also ask people to define the return on investment specifically what do you want to get out of this and then we go and get that so when you leave our program you're not like that was fun I don't know what to do with this. <laughs> yeah, we just wasted four hours. Now I have to catch up on my work that I didn't do for four hours. So why did we just do this? We define the return on investment. We put it up for everybody to see. And then we go and get that because that's our mission. To okay. teach people how to use these tools and techniques because that's exactly what they are to help themselves. And we've worked hard over the last decade to bring them to technology as well. Yeah. And just in addition to that, one of the things that allows us to be a bit more nimble is we're we're not attached to a a theater. A lot of the places in our space, it's theater is the top priority and putting, you know, people in seats on Thursday, Friday and Saturday night for shows is what they're really focused on. And our focus is strictly on L&D, strictly on, you know, the the human the human side of businesses. That's my background. Yeah. I come, as I mentioned in the beginning here, I, I come from executive education. That's where I cut my teeth. That's where Bob and I actually met. And our approach is much more. Yeah, on Josh the, was my uh, boss at one time. Yeah, at one, at one time. At one at time. Flip that script. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, we focus more on the, the OD side of it. And that doesn't mean that our elite team of instructors are all elite professional improvisers as well. They're just a very specific subset who also have corporate experience okay. by design. They have to, they can't punt on questions. They have to know how to dig in and really answer challenging questions, especially because we don't anticipate that people are going to initially buy in to what we're doing. Because to your point, people think improv and they think they understand what that is right away. Right. And sometimes there is a little bit of tenderizing that has to happen to make people think differently about it so they can really benefit from the learnings. Okay. Okay. Well, and, and those, those really get at some of the core challenges that I think we're faced with in L and D sometimes, right? I mean, the, the measurement we're being held to a level of accountability, like we never have before. And I think that's where some of the core questions that we're always looking at is how do we measure this stuff? Because those are questions we're fielding all the time now that, you know, before we might've been able to say, well, this many people showed up or, or the, this, the smile sheets that we got after the course were great. People loved it. And now people are asking questions about, well, yeah, but what are people doing differently than they, that they weren't before? And and how can you actually account for that? And I think the other thing you mentioned that, that really hits home is the fact that, um, you know, as you look at, as you look at this stuff, it, it is critical that we're moving to that and your your ability to focus just on that mm-hmm. uh, versus, like you said, I, in the technology space, just to give you an analogy where I think a lot of people who would be watching would relate to this, the you can definitely tell the technology providers where learning is like their kind of side hustle, but their real core is 
uh, you know, human capital management or something else where it's like, yeah, we also can do learning. And you go, well, it just doesn't, it doesn't necessarily jive. So those, those are pretty unique differentiators in the space. Yeah. Um, so, so let's di dig into kind of the current state and, and I want to give you a chance to kind of connect what you do and how you do that to really some of both the current state challenges that we deal with in L&D, but also the broader strategy, because I think right now, especially we're being faced with some, some fires. There are a lot mm -hmm. of us who are firefighting right now and trying to figure out how we put out these fires. But what was interesting when we first started talking about doing this episode together, it, what, what I like about this is the fact that it's an opportunity to do some firefighting while thinking long-term and strategically. And anytime there's an opportunity to do something fast and meet an immediate need, but know you're doing something <laughs> that's going to carry you to the future, to me, that's always, that's always a win. So looking at the current state, right, one of the biggest ones is in-person is not an option. I mean, yeah. globally, in-person is not an option really for anyone anymore. And, you know, you talked about you you do sometimes do these in-person ones. So how are you tackling that challenge of, hey, we can't have meetings. We can't have you come to our organization or our business event. Uh, Josh, if you don't mind, I'll start off on this one. Yeah, go ahead. So we, the writing has been on the wall for a long time, not for what's happening right now currently, or at least not in, in my purview, it wasn't. Moving though toward technology and virtual teaming has been on the wall for a long time. So for about a decade, I have been researching and practicing and prototyping how to do this. I've met with my team, my core team, my, my core faculty and solutions providers, hours and hours and hours, starting 10 years ago, we focused on avatars and like, you know, moving these like little people around trying to like team and use these techniques in that way. That didn't work. And then jump forward a few years. Remember Cisco systems and those telepresence, oh, yeah. longest television. You had to go to a space to be in front of the television to teach other people who had to go to the space to be in front of the television. So that didn't work either. And then we continue to experiment and brainstorm. And then finally, technology has caught up to us. Okay. So though this started 10 years ago, about three years ago, we pressed the gas on this. We started working with our blue chip and legacy clients to really prototype and understand what is happening and why it's happening. We put them through workshops and programs and learn from them. And over and over again, we were getting thumbs up, great stuff, because and the programs we put in are high energy, they're very financial, they're very dynamic. And what we focus on is things like engagement and presence and truly listening to each other. And this transcends proximity with each other. You can connect with somebody, show that you're listening. It's a basic human desire to be understood or at least believe that somebody understands us. It's the core of all, all great relationships, period. And so to really understand how to put those foundational blocks in place, it doesn't matter how close we are to each other in order to connect with each other and listen to each other and engage to, with each other and be agile and be adaptable. And so the virtual programming that we put in place over the last few years has become really, really, really successful because people, you know, and before this, people were already going down that path. Okay. Yeah. You know, in the current state of the situation, to go back to one of your other original questions on this, Christopher, you know, this state that we're living in right now, I think when we look back 
probably like five years from now, this will probably be that watershed moment where industry was forced to make a choice, which is close or allow the workforce to go home. Yep. And people are, it, there's a lot of research. I mean, I know you're a huge advocate for it. You work from home. We work from home. There's, there's a lot of research talking about the benefits of doing it. Yeah. And businesses have really, as we all know, and I'm sure everybody watching this understands, have really pushed back on it. Yeah. And they're going to find it really hard to get people back in the office if there's a lot of organizations out there that are willing to allow people to stay home because they see that through this crisis, I mean, right now we're in the beginning of it. People are still panicking and very confused. Once things start to settle down, not from the standpoint of COVID-19, however, from the standpoint of businesses being realizing they can run virtually, people are going to get in their groove and it's going to be okay. And then it'll be better than okay. So, I mean, this is going to like a year from now, the organizations that don't understand that right now, this is a pilot program for them. It's a forced it's a pilot forced program. pilot. It was a like, pilot that you didn't get to choose. to Exactly. You didn't get to choose it, but everybody's doing it. So we're all in the same position. This is a forced pilot period. And if you're not going to find a solution and instead you're just making it work until you get back in the office, you're going to lose a lot of talent, yeah. a lot when it comes time to get back in there. Well, you know, and it was something I've been in in several conversations recently with with leaders across the board and have said, if this isn't on your radar in terms of you need to think past this moment and think about what happens when this calms down, because if you're if you're thinking about this as a well, we'll just go back to business as usual, you are going to get hit really hard with a workforce that says, wait a minute like, wait a minute, this has been working. And, and that's a talent risk. Yeah. So, so that's another conversation. We probably talk about that for for (laughs) way longer than we have planned to talk today. But I want to talk about this. You talked about the timeline and how you've been iterating and adapting, going back to the spirit of improv, right? You've, you've been adapting and iterating on this virtual thing. And one of the challenges that I, I see in our space that many are struggling with is that many of us like businesses have not fully adapted and evolved into this digital virtual space. And now they've been thrown into this force pilot to say, guess what? You don't have a choice. You need to offer things virtually and digitally. And it sounds like this, from what you said, this isn't new to you. So how have you done that? Because I think you know, some, of the, some of the struggles, and I think this will help some of our L&D folks tuning in, they may not have skills in virtual delivery. So how did you upskill yourselves and upskill your, your teams to be successful in this? Well, so yeah, please you know, Josh, go ahead. Okay. So as you know, as that's what happens on a lot of calls, Bob and I both start talking at the same time and then both give each other the chance to talk and then we're <laughs> silence. Okay. I'll go. Um, I think a lot of this for us goes back to the fact that we were living it. Okay. It was already part of our DNA being a virtual team and realizing how much we could collaborate and we could iterate because we we practice what we preach you know we teach improvisation we teach the skill set behind it and it's also our core dna and our culture within the organization and we've never had an issue with really being able to iterate and create in this space so as the technology got better and people were able to better connect with each other like really the advent of uh things like this where we can see yep. each other and it's yeah. and there's a lot more options and how to, and how to connect with your team that really got us thinking as bob was saying about 3 years ago and we bob and i have both 
for a very long time seen this is this is going to be it it's going to be where it goes so that's why we really turned a lot of our focus years ago to teaching on the virtual side okay you know bob and i in different industries both went through the last financial crisis the yeah. great recession and what we found there which i'm sure everybody here can appreciate is that when things like this happen the first two things that are cut are travel and l d you know that's it and yeah. when you're in an, an industry like bob and i when i was still at ucla and he was at business improv back then as well that you if you don't have those two things you can't work you can't do it like there is no business yeah so really you know to quote a, a couple excellent ucla faculty members iris Furstenberg and her father moshe rubenstein we decided we had to bring the future to the present and really think about what's what's the next five to ten years look like and for us the biggest thing that we kept focusing on was virtual 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 and not just how do we take our existing programs and jam them into a virtual session One box to the other box exactly it's instead what are teams going to need when they go from a live team or an intact team to a virtual team or what does it look like when you have team members that are in different continents or if you have a hybrid team where there's some people who are in the office and there's a few people that are working virtually how do those teams collaborate how do they get the rules of engagement or the internal team culture to a place where they can really thrive in the virtual environment and that's been our impetus this entire time okay. and what we've been delivering on for the better part of two years now yeah you know it just so happens that the timing of this everything we were we were just we were, we were in the right place right we were prepared for it like you know we we have that solution that already exists Okay. Well, and I yeah, think it's, it's, oh, go ahead, Bob. I, I want to jump in there and, and say flat out that I, no one wants what's happening to be happening. No. You no. know, we're not talking about the global challenge that we have going forward. We're, we're not talking about what do we do in the present. And so that's where all that, that building and planning comes from. You know, we've been, we've, as an improv based institution, we fight the biggest players that you can possibly think about in improv. And the way that we've always done it is not to go head to head. We go this way. We, yeah, we zig, they, if they zag, they pretty much just do this. They go up and we do this. Like Discover, explore, challenge, break it, you know, put it together again. And it's through that that we are in a constant state of evolution. We've been creating custom programs. And when I say custom, I mean from design. You want it done on a book? We've done it off of books. We want specific exercises that have never been created before? We do that regularly. And that's the same as Josh mentioned. Now we're doing it through a different medium. And that means you respect the medium, you respect the audience, you really put your research hat on and your design hat on. You say, how does this gonna how does this translate through? And you find partners that can elevate you. Okay. Well, and and you know, the thing you talked about before that, you know, Josh, you brought it up. I think it's so important because you'll often hear, and I've heard this, it's driven me nuts my entire career that oh, virtual just it's not as it's not as good or it doesn't work as well. And to me, where I would say, yes, and that's true if all you do is take what you used to do in the classroom, dump the PowerPoint in in Zoom or Skype or whatever, and then deliver it with the same medium. That will fail. And people yeah. will say this was not this was not as good of an experience, which, yeah, okay. But but that's not what you're talking about. And that's not what you've done with no. 
with the program. Yeah. And you know, a, a really simple thought experiment about what you just said with virtual doesn't work as well is thinking about how it's changed our personal lives. When you take it outside of the business context, I live in California. I'm from New York. My whole family is still in New York. I have children. I have three kids. And my parents, we get to, you know, they end up coming out to California a couple months out of the year. The majority of the conversations that we have with them are over FaceTime. Yep. And my kids have an amazing relationship with them. They know, like, in my, they're young. I have a two-year-old daughter and a five-year-old son and an 11-year-old son as well. And there, there is no, if, if you were to see them at the park with each other or you were to see them interacting, no one could be like, oh, that's a virtual family. Yeah, look at them. Yeah, I can tell because they don't really know each other and they're awkward with each other. Yeah. And that's not the case at all. It never has been. It's not like there's a warming up period when my fit, my parents physically get here that they're my kids are like, oh my gosh, who are these people that you're telling me that I should love? They know them because they've had the chance to connect with them. Yeah. And thinking that that couldn't exist in a business setting as well, maybe the emotions will be a slightly different. However, thinking that we can't have that interpersonal connection is really, it's just short-sighted. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's, I, uh, it, just to give an example, cause I'm a stark advocate of it to mm-hmm. me, the speed and scale technology can bring to us actually allows us to build relationships, build connections with people at a much faster and more efficient rate than we could if we, if we relied on different things, but going back to improv, that requires you to think differently and and pivot and say, hey, I'm not just going to keep trying to run into the brick wall until the brick wall finally crumbles. It's about saying, there's a brick wall in front of me. I can't climb it. What am I going to do about it? And see, hey, you know what? There's another path and I'm going to go around it. And then you realize, you know what? I got to the other side just the same, except you know, I didn't have to kill myself trying to go through it. Yeah. yeah if you keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results... What's that the definition of? Yeah. <laughs> Insanity. <laughs> so with, with that, though, I, I am curious, you know, because we look at the broader strategy of this stuff. We look at, you know, some of the things that were that I talked about earlier that organizations are struggling with is, is this whole, like, what skills do people really need? And, and we talk about these human skills. You know, how do you, when, when you talk to organizations about what improv brings, I know you broke it down to those three, but how do you help them understand that? How do you help them see what improv really is? And what are some of the challenges you face? Because inevitably, I'm sure not everybody goes, oh, light bulb, I get it, makes perfect sense. Yeah, so we, we face challenges across the board. I mean, one of the things that we hear most consistently is, okay, my group's probably not going to like this, or they're not going to do this, or they're not going to get it. And so when working with like engineers or the top 25 scientists of Richard Branson's The Spaceship Company, or uh, doctors, um, we have worked with National Institute of Health and um, National Cancer Institute. Um you hear over and over again that this is not their mindset. They're one side of the brain versus the other side of the brain, introverted versus extroverted. As mentioned before, Josh, uh, and I'll put this slightly in a different way, no matter what side of the brain you're on, we're still in the people business. Unless you truly do not have to communicate with anyone, then we are in the people business with each other. And that means we have to connect with each other. So what really the result of that um, reacting, adapting, and communicating is, 
is slowing the brain down, be focused, be present, be in the moment, be an adaptive problem solver, be nimble, be flexible, be agile, be collaborative, learn how to postpone judgment, be open to what other people have, have to say. And in doing so, regardless again of proximity to each other, we create these psychologically safe spaces in which people want to talk to us. We take the barriers to communication and collaboration. They're not relevant anymore. And the, the res, further result of that are things like trust and cohesion inside of teams and intrinsic motivation to want to communicate. And so this is the, this is the thing that we have to look at even more so now. You know, how is the trust being built? How is the cohesion? Are we really sharing information? Because there's a lot of people who are in, in a, a space up here that they need to know that we have each other's backs. Okay. And if we don't take an action on that, there, I mean, I would say it increases the probability for further difficulties down the road. If we don't act now, we'll have to act sometime. Okay. Well, and I'm going to, I'm going to jump on one of the questions that came through from Megan, which was a good one, which is, you know, how do we build and maintain relationships in the virtual space for those who aren't comfortable yet in this? And to me, this is one of the things that I think improv is such a, right. It's such mm -hmm. a good thing where it's like, you're faced with something you you're not comfortable with. You know, how do you, how do you make that jump? So just, just as a, let's, let's do kind of a little mock-up thing with this. If, if you were working with somebody right now and they're saying, I'm not used to doing virtual. I'm not used to virtual relationships. What do I do? How would you coach or what would, what would you say to them to say, this is how you can take the art of improv and look at that as an opportunity instead of a, oh, this, I just can't do it. Yeah. So I love that mindset that you just said that these are possibilities and potentials inside the struggle. So instead of looking at why you can't do this, you frame the brain to why you can do this. And that is an improviser's mindset that allows them to succeed in ambiguity and the unknown and the unpredictability. That's where we, we thrive really well. So what I would say as it relates to anybody across the board is first, honesty, communication, vulnerability. I'm not comfortable with this. I, I need to know this technology. I'm not first in Zoom or whatever platform you're using. I don't know how to connect with you in this. I don't know how to share information. Just putting it all on the table because, Megan, I would say you're not alone, No. period. Yeah. Not globally, not in your organization. Yeah. And somebody needs to be the person that says, okay, and I'll go to you know the cornerstone of improv. Yes, and yes, this is happening. And we still have to succeed. So let's put all, all, all of it on the table. And then I would also say is let's create some structure. Let's create a roadmap for success. How are we going to move forward together? And then cr create a buffer zone for learning, you know, really understanding that we're all going to fail in this. Put the human aspect inside of this, the empathetic aspect of like, if you fail, I got your back because I'm going to fail and I need you to get my back. And together, ironically, because we're now more separate, together we will get through this and that's where i think you can really put this in place in this world and it has to start with that communication yeah i just real quickly on that oh. christopher you know for for a lot of a lot of these types of moments like bob said something to uh take solace in is the fact that everybody's in the same position and it's not an individual problem and i think that you know one of those early things that we work on and that people can work on as well um, is coming up with like rules of engagement. You know, if you don't know how to act, if you don't know how to behave, 
if you're not sure what to do, or if your team, if you're sensing that from your team, just having a simple 20 minute conversation to walk through how we're going to get through this and what we're going to do and setting some guidelines or ground rules or just having the chance to, to listen and be open with the rest of the team gets a lot of that out into the open. And if people aren't feeling like I need to go it alone or I need to figure out what to do, and instead they're feeling like this is, you know, this is different and we're going to muddle through it for a little bit. However, I'm going to be able to, I know that I know that I can share. I know that yeah. I can talk about what my challenges are. Having those lines of trust, like Bob was talking about, is game changing for, you know, for how the team gets comfortable in uncomfortable situations. Okay. Well, I, I look at it as, you know, I, I look at improv in many cases, almost as, you know, in, in our terms, the terms we, we like to use the word growth mindset, right in here. And I just see yeah. that as such a fundamental, right? It's a growth mindset. And where I've seen, you know, the yes and is a lot of times, you know, what people associate with when they think of improv. And I've heard the skeptics say, oh, well, that's just a fancy way of saying no. And it's like, no, it's not. Because that is, if you're, if that's what you're doing, then you're fundamentally missing the point and, and you don't have that growth mindset of yes. And, and the other thing I've seen people do is they go, well, we can't say yes to everything. It's like, yeah, you can't, you can't, right. you can't say yes. Like as in, we're going to do everything everybody says, but that's not the point. Talk a little bit about that one. Um, yes, please. Um, because look on stage, yes. And does mean something specific in the way that we use it in business improv, which is closer to reality. Yes is not, I agree with you and I'm going to execute your dumb idea. That's not <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes is acceptance as in, I accept that you're giving this to me. I'm going to postpone judgment. I accept it on your terms that you're giving it to me. I'm doing the very best I can to understand it. That's what yes is. And that is the bridge to how you understand it. And is the bridge to your voice, your perspective, your education, your passion, your drive, your mission, your authentic you. So more than anything, yes is thoughtfulness. You have my complete and undivided attention right now. And is the bridge to how you're thoughtful, how you're present, how you're in the moment. So it's not agreement, it's understanding more than anything. And th this has to be underscored over and over again. It's not giving up your authentic voice. It's unleashing your authentic voice and allowing other people to do the same exact thing. Okay. Okay. It's a, it's a great clarification. I appreciate, you know, hearing that because that is right. You'll hear, you'll, I've, I've heard every argument, you know, for it on both sides where, where that's, you know, well, we can't just do everything. Like you said, we can't just say yes to every terrible idea. Right. I'm an entrepreneur. Absolutely. I mean, <laughs> this is, this is my company and yeah. there's, there's budgets, there's restrictions, there's deadlines. It's just about understanding when it's time to say no. Yeah. Versus for a lot of people, that's a default. That's a reactionary thing, especially if you're in a higher, you look, the higher up in rank you get, the, the more you get paid to be critical to come up with those answers. So it becomes a default for a lot of people just to judge too quickly, as opposed to saying, I'm just going to push off judging for a little bit. Because yeah. the reality, I have a six-year-old. If my six-year-old wants to grab some scissors and drink Lysol and run in the road, I'm not, even though the roads are pretty quiet right here in the burbs of New yeah. York, I'm still not going to let him. I'm not going to yes and that. Right. I'm not first asking where he got Lysol because there's none in the house. And then <laughs> the, the, right now there probably should be. So I'll probably thank him for that. Put down the scissors <laughs> and like, let's have cover. The no is the answer. Sometimes. Yeah. It's just a matter of, you know, this is what deliberate, thoughtful 
leadership is all about. When is it the right answer versus when is it time to say, okay, in my head, I know this is not the right answer. I know this idea is going to work. I need to build this relationship. I need you to know that I hear you. Walk me through your decision-making process. Yeah. Walk me through why this is important to you. And then just sitting back and listening and understanding the, the subtext, the layers behind it, and maybe even, as you said, a growth culture, a learning mindset of, okay, right. all right, I didn't see it from your perspective. This 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 path is not right. This, though, is, you know, this is a little nugget of gold. Right. I think of it as that agility that so many of us are trying to lead in L&D. We're trying to push this in our organizations. We're being asked to help with this to say, hey, how do we get us not just to jump left, jump right, but say, let's iterate. Right. Let's be agile in this. And going back to Megan's question, how do we build relationships when we're not comfortable? Maria added in, you know, well, like turning cameras on. That's like a yes and situation where you go, OK, we're in this environment and how do we collaborate better? Well, Let's let's iterate. Maybe we turn our cameras on and maybe in some situations you might be like, well, I hear you here might be one area that that might be tough to do. OK. And what if we did it like this? And so it's about right. building towards something better instead of shutting things down because, well, that won't work. Yeah. And, and you know, going to the, the idea about the cameras as well is if we're if we can level the playing field there and everybody agrees this is what we're doing, It's it makes it a lot easier. You know, if it's just like, let's do cameras. And I think for most people, they probably wouldn't want to do cameras either because of what's behind them. And Christopher and Bob know that right there I'm, is a bed. I'm, I'm currently recovering from a, a outpatient surgery I had last week. So I've been sequestered in my office away from my wife and kids. And it's just adapting to what your environment needs it to be and knowing am i on a client call am i talking with my team you know can we wear hoodies guys i'll be honest with you i got something nice up top i'm wearing sweats below i'm recovering from surgery okay be cool yeah. and so i'm wearing a, a tuxedo bottom with cap shoes right my irish dancing yeah. it's hard to know it's hard to know anyway though just opening that up and being vulnerable is a team where it's just there doesn't have to be, you know, this, if there's no judgment on the fact that we're all agreeing that we're going to put our cameras on, even if your kid runs in the, I've seen Christopher on conversations with you, I've seen your children in the background outside playing. I've had my children walk in, Bob and I have both had our wives walk in to grab something. My I'm son expecting at some point in this call, someone's going to walk in and feed a cat down there. Yep. It, it, if it happens, it happens and we just deal with it. You know, it's not something to apologize about. It's just where we are right now. Yeah. yeah. What can you control? And, uh, and, you know, and Pat brought up an interesting point. He's like, you know, is trust affected on a virtual team? And if so, what can we do about, you know, as we, as we move into this space, what I, what I think is interesting about it is all the fundamental things really haven't changed, right? Is trust mm -hmm. more affected in a virtual environment? I would say probably not. I think, it is right now because we're so uncomfortable and many people are struggling with figuring out how to work with it. But I think it's going back to some of the things we've been talking about, about being authentic and vulnerable in this, in this space and being willing to admit when we don't know, we don't have the answers to things. We don't have anything and using that yes. And of, well, I don't know anything. And let's talk about what we might be able to do about that. Like, how do we address that? is a great way to start fostering that trust and building that trust where we may not have it. Is it a gap right now? Yes. For many people right now, they're, they're 
battling with that as they've been thrown into this forced pilot. But it doesn't mean it's worse or right. harder. It's just different. So, uh, you know, I, Christopher, Christopher, you brought up a really interesting point, um, which is if it didn't happen before, if it wasn't existing in the intact workplace, you definitely have a big challenge now. Yes. So that's the first thing I would say, like, look at, like, was it really there? And be, be as objective as possible, you know, ask other people because we all have biases. And so we see the world through unique lenses if it wasn't happening there. So, yeah, you, you definitely have a challenge here because they didn't trust you before, or you didn't trust them, or whatever it might be. The The second part to this, though, is what we're really talking about now is creating culture, and there's an opportunity. So we had the opportunity about two years ago to work with a big pharma to start from scratch on a vertical of theirs and work with their senior leaders that were going to grow from an 11-person leadership team and a 40-person support team to several hundred people once they released this, this um vaccine. And so we had the opportunity to create that specific culture from scratch with them. And what now needs to take place, and we did it with great success because we leveled status, we leveled ego, we got people talking with each other, they were communicative, collaborative, they had trust with each other. They were open and vulnerable and create that psychologically safe space by design to know that this is the time we need to talk about this and I need to be fearless and I need you to be open to what I'm saying. And people wanted to join that vertical when, when it was done. People, that's why we kept going back to, into that specific pharma who's still knocking on our door because they're like, Why, what did you guys do that got people talking with each other? The unique opportunity we have now is to create the virtual culture from scratch. And that was their opportunity. That definitely they had senior leaders coming in with ego and all this other stuff. However, they're really building from scratch. So the question they had to ask themselves is what culture they want to build? Is it the same old, same old where people are just going for themselves and and they're clawing their way to the top? Or is it one that is set properly? And right now in the virtual cultures that we can set up, we can start from a new point one. And the question is, well, where do you want to go from there with this opportunity? Yeah. We're kind of at a ground zero, which which leads into kind of the next section that I wanted to to drive into because you know you look at some of the short term and long term things we're battling, whether it's you know short term, suddenly we've been in this force pilot, everybody's virtual. Long term, we've been tasked with trying to reskill the right skills for a long time. And hey, employee engagement is in the tank. What are we doing about that? And so I think one of the things, you know, some of the questions coming in is how do we engage more? How do we build trust? How do we do these things? And that was one of the original reasons we were talking to about doing this session was talking about one of the solutions that you've pulled together for this. We've, we've talked a little bit about it at a high level. But to me, I look at this as this is a really great opportunity to bring something like this to life in an organization. So I know, mm -hmm. you know you've been doing this with organizations in person and you have this virtual one. Talk a little bit about what this is, because to me, after you shared more about it with me, I was intrigued on how, you know, hey, this is in a world where right now people are feeling isolated. They're uncomfortable. They're trying to figure out how to engage and communicate in this new world. And they're looking for resources and things that can help. Talk more about what this virtual component of this that you have is break it down a little bit josh you want to start us off sure yeah well i think the first thing that's you know the first thing that we're thinking about with our solution is the fact that right now in this mass confusion we've been talking about 
force pilot, people are trying to figure out what's next. I think the overwhelming majority of people, probably like 95% of organizations are focused on the technology solution, Yep. which is obviously super important. It's very important to figure out what's going to work. Different organizations, different industries have different regulations. There's a, a lot to consider about. And going back to the idea of you know soft skills to round out functional skills, if the technology solution is the coolest one on the planet that has all the bells and whistles and the people don't know what they're doing or don't know how to communicate with each other, it's not going to matter ultimately. Right. So I'm, I'll, I'll let Bob talk about the actual solution itself, but I'm just in thinking about where we're coming from and also the moment that, that we're in and how we're trying to position that to be as helpful as possible. It's really focusing on that right now it's timely and it's also going to end up being timeless too. Yeah. Because this is, I mean, we're future-proofing skill sets. We're future-proofing teams that are going to have to do this because instead of, you know, focusing on the the tech-centered aspect of it, where our solution and our approach is the people side yeah. of it. So, you know, even though this may be an odd thing to say, even if we did a virtual training for a team that ultimately went back in six months into the office, they're going to use all of that. They're going right. to still use everything. Everything we teach them is very applicable regardless of where they are. So, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll, I, that, that, that's for me, that's what I've been thinking about. And we've talked about yeah. that so much in the, you know, the, the last couple of weeks, Christopher is just where we are with this moment and what's, you know, the, the shiny thing that's easy to focus on and why that's not going to matter if we're not focusing on what's really Really well, important. And Bob, I'll let you jump in on it too, but I want to kind of tackle what you just said, because I think there's no shortage right now of everybody jumping around going, hey, we've got a virtual, we've got a virtual, there's a virtual this, or there's something going on right now. And and it's it's a stopgap, right? It's a mm -hmm. stopgap. It's a, hey, we were doing this thing, we just need to do it virtually. And it it might fill the gap, but it's not necessarily building towards something bigger. And I think that's where you know, to the questions people are asking about how do you do virtual well, one of the things that was intriguing about what you what you all are doing is you said, hey, we have this craft, this art that helps you be better in business and it helps you be better in even adapting to something like being thrown into a force pilot. Oh, yeah. and by the way, we also for a long time have been building it towards something that can be delivered in a mechanism that actually models the behaviors we're trying to drive, right? So so it's not just a, hey, here's this cool thing. It's no, here's this powerful thing put in a thing that's designed to model how you do this well and give you the opportunity to be successful in it and actually build towards it. And to me, that is, like you said, that's not something you you, you do and then you say, well, I'll, I'll never use that again or boy, that was fun. Um, it, it's something much bigger than that. Mm -hmm. Bob, go ahead. Yeah, I'm going to yes and you to say that what we do is put foundational blocks in place on which you can continue to build architecture for success without us. So we, our mission is impact, make a difference, make, make, help people, help people help themselves. So we take this high energy up on your feet experiential learning, which we you know really do well on site and we move it over in a number of different ways. So through that pharma, we had people in Zurich and Singapore and um, uh, Illinois and New York and Boston. And we had many virtual sessions with them as well. And so the way that we put it together is multifold. 
One would be potentially just a, a presentation. If you have 200 people and you need everybody to get an understanding of some techniques. I just came off of a Duke University Fuqua School of Business presentation about a half an hour before we started this. So part of me is like, okay, where am I? Um, the other part of me is, is like, all right, well, that is an approach. The other approach, though, with our virtual instructor-led training is one of us is here. We have everybody in virtual different environments, and we put them through the experiential learning exercises that have been adapted to suit this medium, and we're able to move them around and put them in breakout rooms or teams and have them communicate with each other at a very high level with, again, a, a very defined return on investment. What are we going to get out of this? And then what we do is support it. Uh, supported yeah. with material, collateral, uh, original writing. I wrote a Stanford University Press book. So and that's this is the how-to book. This is the textbook for what I do and what I can do and continue to put together. And then that extra supportive writing, we learn language, we learn what your culture is, we learn what your mission is, your drive is. And ultimately, these should act as the blocks to help you help yourselves and help other people as well, being onboarded or, or transitioning from one team to another team so that that culture is ultimately there. Okay. Well, yeah. one of the things that you talked about too, that I think is, is really important to highlight with this is that yes, yes, it's, it's a powerful concept. Yes. It's an opportunity to model it. And I think there's a lot of people that could see you know, what this looks like and learn from it that they could take then back. If you're an L and D person, you could take it back and say, you know, we could try and recreate this. It's an opportunity to learn how to do virtual well on top of that. But I think the other thing that's important that can't be overlooked, we, we, we joked a little about it earlier that like, Hey, it's not just like a fun event, but that can't be overlooked that there needs to be some fun element yeah. to it because how many how many trainings how many learning opportunities do you have where you go this is just boring and in a world where people are disengaged they're in an uncomfortable space you you bring that to life in a fun way yeah what we've always said is that the fun is inherent in improvisation it's mm -hmm. putting people into unknown circumstances and having them interact with each other spontaneously. The greatest, funniest stuff comes out of everyone's mouths because not because they're trying to be funny. It's truly unexpected. And so chemistry starts happening in just putting people in the unknown. And because it's inherent in what we do, we don't focus on making it fun or funny. We focus on linking it to real world outcomes, applicability. You walk out of our programs with something you can use immediately if not sooner and the fun though is i'm gonna go backwards because 15 years ago 20 years ago i was told i was i was you know i was 27 when i started my company um over and over again there's no fun and it was just shied upon and now i'm gonna propose that morale needs to be considered there's a yeah. lot of people who are in funky head spaces right now, especially if you're one of those people, you got to assume other people are as well. So getting people to connect with each other and relax a little bit and understand that though, ironically, we're separated together, we will get through this is super important. Yeah. Well, and it goes back to one of the, one of the mantras, I guess, that I, I use when it comes to learning and development is right. There's, there's the no, there's the do, and there's the feel. Um, you know, and I think so often in, in learning and development, we've been very good at at knowledge, right? Like you said, going back to right delivering information, we, we've we've been pretty good at that. Um, you know, we continue to adapt the way we do it. The do we we do okay, 
uh, in, in many cases, we, we do all right in term. And I think we're getting better at kind of driving towards behaviors. But one of the ones that I, I think we have a lot of opportunity for that you just hit on is the fact that we need to address the feelings, like the emotional yeah. state of where people are. Because if we overlook that, we no matter how great of an experience we design, if we ignore the emotional state of people, it will fall flat. And, and people are in a very fragile emotional state right now. And we need to respect that. And we need to figure out how can we bring some life back to people who are struggling right now. Mm -hmm. So, so let's talk, let's, we're, we're at the top of the hour. I think, you know, this has been really great to talk more about what really improv is. How do you bring it to life? It sounds like you've done a lot of different things and, and you have some creative solutions for folks who may be in this state where they're, they're challenged with, Hey, we need to do something for ourselves or for our, our employees to help bring them through this. You know, one of the things, and I'll, and I'll pull it up here. You, you have this resource um, that you've put together the seven essentials to take, talk a little bit about what this is and, and you know, how this is a resource for folks. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, this, it, it kind of goes back to some of the things we've been touching upon here. It's just more synthesized. And the whole purpose of this is a lot of people don't know what they're doing right now, or they're confused or they're challenged by it. And why not put together just a, a roadmap, something to help people thinking about, you know, think about it differently. As we had a question, the question from Megan earlier about, you know, how do we get people who are comfortable yet comfortable? And we talked about the rules of engagement that's in here. You know, giving you some ideas about what you can do as a leader. And even if you're not a leader, you know, how you can lead up and manage your team and help with your intact virtual team to get those solutions in place that are focused more on the people side of it. You know, giving you those interpersonal ideas about what you should be thinking about and what other people are probably thinking about that need to have, you know, the quicker path between A and B to help everyone get comfortable and move forward. Okay. So this is like your performance support, your performance support, your job aid for folks who are, are stepping into this saying, Hey, we need, we need to do something, you know, what, what are some hand steps we can take to do that? And so all the things we've been talking about have been bundled up into this. And then if let's say people say, Hey, I, that's great we need more help. <laughs> we need more help than that, um, than, than a PDF. Cause there's a lot of resources out there right now. What, what else? Bob, you want to take that? Contact us. <laughs> <laughs> business improv, businessimprov.com. Uh, look, we we're creating this. And we're going to continue to create material because, um, whether or not you bring us in, uh, you, the question that should be asked is, if you don't do something about it now, when, what's the outcome? You know, what are the ramifications of not acting? To not make a decision is a decision to not make a decision. So we want to help you, whether you bring us in or not. We're going to continue to, to bring material, put material out there for you. And ultimately, if you want to see the virtual stuff or we didn't mention the digital asynchronous learning stuff that we've also put together, once again, adapted from the stuff that we do in person to fit inside that medium, then please reach out to, to Business Improv or go through Christopher, please, and, and we'll have a conversation. All right. Yeah, we, well, we actually, yeah, we made, we made it easy. Which, oh, there it is. So businessimprov.com slash LTT for learning tech talks. You, you can go there. We'll send you the seven essentials for taking your team virtual. 
right away. And if there's other questions, you know, in Chris, or if you scroll down there, just very, there's some light stuff at the bottom that just kind of talks through, keep going. There we go. Kind of talks through high level, what some of those solutions look like. As Bob said, there's virtual instructor led, which we've been doing for a long time. So teaching virtual teams how to be virtual in a virtual setting, it's very meta. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, as Bob mentioned as well, the asynchronous. So okay. there's, you can spend some time on our website, checking out the different options. There's a place there where you can, you know, click some boxes and send well, in. That's what I was going to ask you. Cause I can tell you right now, everybody, everybody who's watching, who might be like, okay, free resources. Hey, you're, you're, you're asking for some information from me. You know, does this mean that all of a sudden I'm going to start getting a thousand phone calls from, no. from Josh and Bob no. on, you know, Hey, Hey, we saw you fill out this form. Hey, we saw you fill out this form. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. You'll get like 500, not a thousand. No, in, in, all, in all seriously, in all seriousness, though, if you don't, if you want the, the, the guide or you want some additional information and you don't want to have a conversation, say that in the information page, we're not here to waste anybody's time. And, you know, we want to help if we can, if nothing else, you will definitely get a personal email from me reaching out and saying, let's talk, let's have a conversation if you're interested in learning more about this and just start building that relationship. You know, yeah. we're not here, we're not here to, to bombard people. We're not here to spam people. We even put an option there that if you want it, we have, we do have a, a mailing list where we send out curated content on a regular basis, more stuff like the seven essentials. If you want to sign up for that, you can. And if you don't, you don't have to, we will not, we're, we're not in the interest, you know, we have no interest in spamming people or anything like that. We're here literally to ask, to answer questions, offer solutions if that's what people want yeah. and help change virtual teams if that's what people are ultimately looking for. Yeah. Well, and that's why when you reached out and said, hey, we're doing something really important and and we talked about what it is, you know, there, there's no time like now to, to that people need help. And I think that's where when we said, how do, how do we help? Um, you know, this was something that we thought would be a great opportunity. I know we've had a ton of engagement from people asking a lot of questions about virtual. And I think everybody on this stream right now has a lot to offer on how can you do it? And I can speak from firsthand. I think both of you can too. It can work. It yeah. can work really well. Um, and you can overcome the challenges that people have said of, can you really build relationships? Yes. Can you really drive a business forward? You absolutely can. Can you build trust and get to know people and actually have that closeness in an environment where you've never actually shook hands with that person or bumped elbows or tapped feet? You absolutely can. <laughs> or stood six feet away. But exactly, exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, this has been great. Guys, I really appreciate you joining us. I know a lot of people, hopefully we've answered a lot of your questions and you feel like, hey, there's there's something that you know we can do uh, that, that can help us get through this. I think there's no shortage of resources and I appreciate you guys being willing to share that and come talk about it with me. So thank yeah, you thank for you. your time. Um, thanks everybody for tuning in. There are so many comments that have come through. Uh, we will definitely take the time to look through those and respond back um, and, and answer any questions and, and go out, you know, get the, get, definitely get the free resource from, from the business improv team. And I, I know these guys, I would encourage you to just have a chat with them because they're here to help. So thanks everybody for the time. 
thanks for all you're doing and uh, stay safe, stay yes. distanced, but don't stay isolated. I think that's, yeah. that's going to be my, uh, you know, my closing line for the next couple of weeks as we, <laughs> as we yeah, wrap good one. this up. Yeah, it's a good one. All right. Well, have a good one. Um, thanks, enjoy Chris. the rest of your Thursday and uh, thanks everybody.